episode one of the DC Catholic Podcast, the new show for all things in the world of Catholic young adults. I'm Derek Rausch, current president of Catholic Beer Club. I'm joined today with my co-host for the show, Chris Baker, director of operations for the young adult ministry, ID916, based out of Michigan. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Awesome. Excited to be here. Good. First one. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So I think... Uh, we, we have a fun topic today, um, talking about how, especially during Corona mania right now, we may need to think about social distancing ourselves from Netflix. Um, but I thought before we dive in, we should start with introducing why you and I are starting a podcast, uh, because there's already a bunch of them already out there. So I think the best way to do that, uh, to kind of explain to anybody listening why we're doing this, is I want to paint a picture of the current state of the Catholic Church, I think most of you are probably aware of, uh, but I, I don't know um, I don't know if most people have ever really let this sink in. Um, so just to start, I think this is especially people are familiar with this. Most of the Catholic population today in the United States doesn't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist, kind of a, a critical <laughs> belief for Catholics. Um, you'll see statistics of ninety percent or more people think contraception uh, is not a problem at all morally. Um, and you don't have to look hard to find these studies online. Um, you can go see the different numbers that are out there. They're studies, they're, they're different numbers. Um, but I'm going to share a few um, other statistics I think you're not, uh, probably not as familiar with, um, but I want you to let it kind of sink in just where, where the church is at today. I think we hear the phrase springtime a lot. And uh, obviously, I think everybody knows there's work to do, but I don't think we really quite let sit in um, how far uh, the church has fallen um, as far as just the faith of, of the members and just the, the number of people um, in the Catholic Church. So just to start with, um, mass attendance. So I, I think many of us go to parishes and, and they're full. Um, just to give you a perspective of where things used to be and where they are today. In 1958, 74% of Catholics went to Sunday Mass every week. And then in 2000, 25% of Catholics went to Sunday Mass, and the statistics are very similar today. And so a lot of these statistics come out of an index of leading Catholic indicators. You can Google Kenneth C. Jones um, and, and find a lot of these. These are from 2003. They're older, some of them, but are, there are a few where I have some more recent data to compare them to for you. Um, priests. In 1965, there were 58,000 priests. 2002, we had 45,000 priests. And today, if you jump on the USCCB website, 37,302 priests in 2018 was the last data collected there. Seminarians, uh, this one's going to blow your mind. Uh, in 1965, there were 49,000 seminarians enrolled in the United States. By 2002, there were 4,700 seminarians. And the number, uh, looking at the, the USCCB website, is very similar today. That's a huge drop-off. Schools, I think, is another one to look at. Uh, Catholic high schools in 1965, there were uh, 1,566 Catholic high schools. By 2002, that number was cut in half. Parochial grades schools, a very similar story. Catholic parochial students. 1965, 4.5 million students. By 2002, it was down to 1.9 million. I think this picture of the church should alarm us. I don't think you hear it very often. And I'm not sharing it just to 
entice alarmism out of people um, to point fingers as far as the failure. Um, I think instead we need to let this troubling picture motivate us. I think too often we we see these statistics about the Eucharist and uh, we just get numb. We don't really let that sink in. We don't let that motivate us to do something about it. And I think part of that is maybe we don't know what to do. Um, but kind of the point of this podcast um, is one, just to be honest about the state of things in the church where there are some good things happening, but there's a lot of work to do. And if we want to kind of see this troubling picture improved, um, I think a big part of that uh, is we need to be more bold as Christians in how we live, how we pray, and how we tangibly work to convert others to deeper faith, whether that's um, part of the new evangelization, helping Catholics become um, have deeper faith in Christ, or whether that's uh, bringing non-Catholics into the church. Um, so Chris and I both believe that Catholic young adults, especially single young adults, are a critically needed force to help renew the faith of the church and win converts to, Catholic, to Catholicism. We believe there's a springtime coming. Uh, some of it is here, but I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, and this podcast is really just our effort to try and renew the fervor um, amongst young adults, especially people that come to Catholic Beer Club events, um, come to ID916 events and are involved in that program. So we hope you guys will join us in the conversation surrounding this episode as we share it. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on Netflix um, and any of the topics in the future. Um, we certainly hope you'll join us um, and just help um, be a force to renew the fervor um, in yourself and others and us. Uh, to try and uh, create a better picture of the Catholic Church and bring more people to Jesus Christ. Uh, so lastly, before we dive in, Chris, um, I think people are pretty familiar with Catholic Beer Club. It's pretty simple. <laughs> um, we're kind of on a hiatus at the moment. It's hard to go to a bar when they're all closed. Um, and so people are certainly missing that social reaction. So they're running to, to technology for that. Um, but I wanted to give you a chance to kind of introduce what ID916 is. Um, I think you're pretty popular here regionally up north, uh, but I don't know uh, how well known you are um, outside of that. So I think for any listeners, um, just a few questions for you off the start before we dive in. What is ID916 and what is your role there? Yeah, great. So my role with ID916 is director of operations. And then the obvious question is, what do we do? So <laughs> uh, our mission is to form young adults into intentional disciples of Jesus Christ. And we do that heavily through formation of intentional disciples into spirit-filled leaders because with uh, one or the other, we're not really living out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. So the Great Commandment being, you know, to love uh, God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the Great Commission to go and baptize, you know, make uh, disciples of all nations. And so as we look at fulfilling those, we want people to be able to, on a consistent basis, know how and feel uh, confident in abiding with the Father. So spending time in prayer, connecting with God on a daily basis, um, and and then also becoming Jesus in the world, right? So like we're called to do what Jesus did, to do even greater works than he did, um, it says in Scripture, to really just like be the light of Christ in the world. And, and so that means that we need to model how he lived, how he prayed, how he evangelized everything. Um, and so, so we're abiding with the Father, we're becoming the Son, and then we're also living in the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so essentially what it comes down to is the Holy Spirit is actively working 
and we need to respond to the Holy Spirit, the promptings of the Spirit, because if we're listening to God daily, He has a mission for us daily, and we need to be responding to that. And if we are, we're always going to be a lot more closely aligned with uh, the will of God, which should be our will too. And so just taking kind of a deep dive into that, um, that's what we do. We do a lot of formation. We uh, do a lot of community building. We have chapters all over North America, so the United States and Canada. How many chapters uh, do you have? Yeah, so we're still growing. We're currently at 16, nice. um, but we're always adding new ones. So if uh, if you if anyone is interested in talking about what that would look like, you can go to intentionaldisciples.com um, and find out more information there. There's a new chapter survey. So that's that's really what we do. Uh, we, we really love not only working with young adults and helping them grow in their faith, but doing it through community with other young adults. Awesome. I like it. I like it. Well, yeah, definitely check out uh, ID916's website. They're on uh, Facebook um, and social media as well. Um, certainly reach out to them, Chris Baker and uh, Pete Barack over there. Um, certainly doing good work. Um, so, Chris, one of the reasons you and I um, – I've talked about this before. We think young adults are better positioned, uh, maybe than any other demographic to win converts and reverts to the faith. Um, it's because they have time. Um, the, you and I both have uh, young kids now, so maybe some of that time is disappearing. Um, <laughs> but I think for, for a lot of young adults, especially single young adults, you have so much time. Um, I think it's really easy to waste all of it on leisure um, when you could really, really put it uh, to good use, um, and even people that um, are, want to uh, serve Christ, grow in holiness, um, and do all of these things, I think it's really easy uh, to get to get pulled into to just excessive leisure. Um, and so, I think at least um, one of the ways we can get pulled into excessive leisure is uh, Netflix. Uh, and so, today we're going to talk about. Uh, how we we may need to social distance ourselves um, <laughs> from from Netflix, which is hard when we have to social distance from other people. Um, so, Chris, we and mentioned maybe we should tell people kind of what a, what our uh, current re- re- relationships look like with uh, Netflix or just streaming services in general. Um, so I'll punt to you. I'll let you start. Yeah, great. Well. So my, my uh, relationship with Netflix is uh, kind of, and, and truly, like when we talk about Netflix, it's not specifically just Netflix. It's really any live stream uh, service of, of any type of TV shows, videos, right. movies, whatnot. Right. Um, and there's a lot of them out there, and they're all over the place. Um, my relationship, I'll, I'll give a, a little bit of background first, right? So... I grew up uh, with my family loving to go to the movies and to watch movies to the point where whenever any of my relatives or cousins came to visit and they wanted to watch a movie, we'd usually already seen it. And so we were kind of always a frustration to them. Um, But as I grew up uh, and continued to kind of associate uh, loving movies with also like kind of good quality family time, I tended towards spending a lot more time watching movies and stuff like that. Um, And to the point where when I got married in 2017, my wife and I, for like the first six months of our marriage, almost every night we would, you know, get home from work and we would be like, all right, 
we're super excited. Like, let's just like jump in bed, watch your favorite show and then go to bed. And it was just like, that was, that was exciting. We were both kind of stoked about it. And we spent a lot of time watching our shows. Um, and then after six months, we, we were reconnecting with our, uh, our marriage uh, mentor couple. And they kind of challenged us on that, you know, just like, there's a lot of other things you could be doing with your time. And they challenged us to actually a couple prayer series, uh, kind of you know, daily time praying together as a couple. Um, and it really helped us to make that mindset shift regarding what we're giving our time to each day. Um, and so that was just the first little inkling of it. But looking back and realizing how much time we actually spent with Netflix and other different streaming services of giving time where we could have been investing in each other. Um, that was something that kind of caused a little bit of a shift for, for us. Um, and, and that shift looked a lot like uh, maybe every weekend we would just watch one movie together. Uh, and that was still a fun thing to do. Um, something that we both liked to do. So, you know, it worked out. Um, and then as we kept doing that, you know, you're, you're still going through a decent amount of movies and shows if you watch something once a week. Um, and so what we ended up finding is that we would kind of get through the movies that were actually like good um, or, or wholesome. And we would start to kind of compromise like the kind of like our we got through our A list of movies and now we're on our B list and maybe on our C list. And so like the little compromises like, well, yeah, this one's R, but like it's only a little bit of like maybe sexual content or maybe it's just like a lot of cussing. You have no mm -hmm. idea what that means, but maybe it's yep. just cussing. And so that was really something that uh, we started to compromise on. And then we realized that. And so we started to back off to where our my current relationship and me and my wife's current relationship with uh, any kind of type of streaming or movie watching is every once in a great while when we have a movie that's truly we've been looking forward to seeing and we know it's going to be good and not compromise our values we watch it but other than that we really don't spend uh, a whole lot of time at all uh, even browsing Netflix to see if there's anything good because it's just it's, it's tended to be a little bit of a waste of time for us. And, and we have a lot of other things that we apply our time to, but I'm kind of curious, Derek, but what is, what's your relationship like? Yeah, that was, that was good. We, um, uh, <clears throat> we're kind of strange maybe as far as popular culture goes, I don't have a TV in my living room. Gasp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, haven't had one since uh my wife and i got married um it's been really good i thought it would be strange but it's really not um that the tv all it, all it really does is it just reminds you that you can watch tv um and i found when it's not there it doesn't remind me uh that i can watch tv so we don't have netflix we have amazon prime because we buy stuff on amazon um but i've also been reconsidering uh after uh just kind of the current social political dynamics with everything the coronavirus whether i even want to buy much stuff off amazon anymore so we may be ditching that as well but if you have uh, kind of amazon prime to get free delivery uh, they obviously have their streaming service as well as part of that so if we watch movies um, it's on there or we just a lot of what we do is re we re-watch um movies i watched i've watched the hobbit and the lord of the ring movies like a million times <laughs> it doesn't get old uh, for whatever reason that's just part of my temperament i can listen to the same song over and over and over again on repeat um so it just doesn't doesn't bug me at all but it's not a huge part of what we do for us it's one of many forms of leisure um 
it's relaxing to be able to just watch something. Sometimes uh, you, you just want to switch your brain off um, and just enjoy something. It's, it's like art. Um, I think it's the same. It's, it's obviously much different than looking at a painting. And there are a lot of people who don't enjoy looking at paintings, but obviously enjoy watching movies. So I'm not equating that. Um, but it's, it's an art form and just looking at art, absorbing good art, uh, is a form of, of leisure. And I think movies kind of fit in that realm, but like anything, it can be, it can be overdone. Um, so that's kind of our current relationship with it. Um, so, uh, Chris, you and I each brought, um, three reasons to ditch, or I suppose <clears throat> we're going with social distance from Netflix, <laughs> um, or, or, uh, kind of streaming services like that. Uh, and then three things you can do instead. I have no idea what you brought. Um, so we are good friends. We talk a lot. So this is kind of interesting to, <laughs> I'm curious to see what you, uh, you come up with. Um, so I, do you want me to go first? Or you want to go first on the oh, first one? It's kind of fun. Why don't, why don't you give one of your reasons and I'll give one of mine. All right, done. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to start with my most controversial one. You ready? Um, the oh, shows yeah. you wa- the shows you watch are garbage, um, and they are not becoming of a person who uh, wants to become a saint. Uh, just to give a few examples, um, and I've seen this in uh, in Catholic circles. I just I know people who are in young adult groups, uh, just Catholics, and they watch Game of Thrones. Um, I just <laughs> I'll take as much flack as you want, but. That's a garbage show. I don't think anybody should watch it. I'm not sure what the difference between uh, Game of Thrones and uh, pornography is, uh, other than it's just uh, socially accepted as uh, perfectly fine, not a big deal. There's just lots of shows like that that I don't think are good. Um, you, you had talked about um, you and Afton just really seeing that, uh, just kind of morally um, compromising things, e- even just in a little bit. And I think uh, on, on a really far end of the spectrum, just an obvious, like, why are you watching that at all is, is a game of Thrones. Um, but just so many young Catholics seems like those shows, um, are what's indulged in. And I don't think it's healthy. Um, and I don't think it's becoming of, um, someone who's trying to become a saint. I think that is holding you back from becoming a saint. Um, I don't think there will be any saint, um, from now, um, until the end of time that will, uh, <laughs> be a saint, live a holy life, um, be an example to, to others, be raised to the altars, um, that has watched Game of Thrones. It's just not out there. I'm not saying people that watch Game of Thrones are going to hell, um, but I am saying you are, <laughs> you are not going to, um, grow further in holiness to the level of, of the saints. These people we have as examples that lived holy lives. If you're watching shows like, uh, Game of Thrones, um, so easiest way to, to get away from that is just to ditch Netflix, stop watching shows like that. Um, get rid of it, cut it out of your life. It's not helping you. That's my number one. Wow. That's a pretty good one. I like that. Um, I, I'm going to go with my number two because it actually builds really well onto your number one. Um, so for, my second reason to get off Netflix, I put down with the diversity of shows, meaning everything from kids programming to documentaries to nearly porn uh, and kind of everything in between, 
So with the diversity of shows, Netflix creates a relationship with you that resembles Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, and to kind of give a little bit of background and explain that, what I mean by that, um, and, and actually to reference something, Father Mike Schmitz has a homily from several years back uh, regarding the correlation between our, um, our relationship with sin and the way the devil works on us and Stockholm Syndrome, uh, which the story from that, just in a nutshell, if you don't know what that is, um, is the, the story of in Stockholm when these bank robbers took hostages during the bank robbery. Um, what ended up happening by the time the hostages were freed and asked to testify against the bank robbers was that they would not do it. Uh, and so what was interesting is they, they couldn't figure out why these bank robbers would actually uh, be supported by their by the hostages. And as they looked more into it, it became a, a phenomenon. They got labeled by uh, modern psychology as Stockholm Syndrome. But what it ultimately boiled down to was that when a person thinks they're in uh, kind of a really terrible state, like their fear is really high or their emotional state's really, really high, uh, and they think potentially they could die, their, uh, and their captor does even the smallest little tiny thing for them that's nice, like letting them go to the bathroom while they're hostages, right? They start to, the hostages start to develop a, uh, an actual love for the robbers in the sense that- Interesting. Yeah, right. And, and so it's, it's in the sense that um, I thought you were going to kill me, but now you were kind of nice to me. Like you actually, uh, you let me go to the bathroom rather than, you know, making me just hold it or whatnot. Um, and so like what happens is these, these periods of being really brutal to someone and then little tiny moments of kindness, it actually sort of like hacks the human brain and creates uh, a desire because it's intermittent reward is the psychological term for it. It actually creates um, a, a need to, to start to do more to actually um, support, like say the robber in that instance. Um, right. And so the way I, I, I see this connecting to Netflix and, and I, I do not want to sound um, extremist, right? But my point here is that when you are watching shows and uh, you start to watch good shows, but then over time you have to compromise because not all the shows on there are good shows and wholesome. And so over time you start to compromise your values and you actually start to um, allow negative things in your life where it's like good, good, really bad, good, good, really bad. What that's actually doing is creating um, an, uh, a change of mind and heart to where it normalizes that behavior to where you don't have a problem with it in the same way that the behavior of the robbers was changed in the minds of the hostages to be normalized. Like actually they're really good people somehow. And I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to testify against them. I, don't, I wouldn't want them to get in trouble. And, and it just seems like absolute craziness to us, right? Absolute insanity. But, that's a real thing and it can happen. And so the more that we put ourselves in situations 
it's not just Netflix, it's not just live streaming, but that is a good place for it to be exampled, is that when you put yourself in situations with that much diversity, you might, you definitely have good intentions when you start watching, but over time, the compromises, the little tiny compromises start to wear away and they start to normalize the negative behavior, the negative shows, the negative content, uh, whatever way that it, that it is negative. And we know as, as Christians and especially as Catholics with spiritual warfare, that is how the devil works. Mm-hmm. He does not just come out and say, in, you know, red horns, red tail, and his right. little, his little uh, pitchfork that he's going to you know, ruin your life. He does it in really tiny increments where you almost don't notice it, you know? So number two that I have is uh, it makes it having just kind of a habitual habit of uh, Netflix being your go-to. You watch your shows every night. Um, that's just your routine. You watch a lot of them. It makes it really difficult to diagnose uh, causes of stress and anxiety, or just like spiritual desolation, um, even in the spiritual realm. But if you're, um, if something else is stressing you out, but then your constant outlet is Netflix, um, it's going to be really hard to identify what's actually stressing you out. Then you can't actually uh, fix it. Um, And so kind of what you're saying there is, uh, I think kind of ties into that well, where it draws you in further and further uh, not just in moral compromises, but in wanting to watch it more and more as you build um, positive, uh, just a, a positive mental relationship relationship with it, even though it uh, doesn't necessarily have your best interest in mind. Um, I think if you're stressed out about your job um, and maybe you should be looking for a new job, I think it'll take you a lot longer to find out you need to be looking for a new job, something you'll be uh, happier in if you uh, constantly close up just the, that void that's popping up uh, by just trying to calm your calm your nerves, calm your anxiety by watching Netflix over and over and over and over again um, and never allowing any silence um, or just any variety in your leisure, any time to think. Um, it just, it, it numbs you. Um, I really think it's, it can get dangerous if you watch Netflix over and over and over again like that because of what you're describing um, what it does to your brain uh, to repeatedly watch shows, uh, especially binge watching. Um, that's my that's my second one. Is I think it, it's really difficult. Makes it really difficult to diagnose what's stressing you out, what's causing you anxiety, um, even even just in the spiritual realm. When you have spiritual desolation, um, you just don't feel like God loves you, or you're struggling to have faith in Him. Those are um, it can make it really difficult. Absolutely, yeah, and that ties in really well with my number three which was just simply, it's a coping mechanism uh, to avoid, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you're trying to avoid, whether it's the suffering, whether it's the uncertainty or lack of control, uh, you know, whether it's um, feeling really isolated and and not having that love and connection that we, that we need and we're created for. Um, And so if it's a coping mechanism, or as I heard Matt Frad say recently, it's a pacifier. Yeah. And when you frame it like that, I absolutely loved when he said that because yep. when he framed it like that, I was like, oh, so when I do things that are coping mechanisms, it's kind of just like being a little like a baby, you know, a like baby. Yep. I have a one year old and like um, she she isn't even into it so much right now. But like she used to love her pacifier and like that would calm her down. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm functioning at the level of a baby when I cope. And like that's not the, it's the fault of anyone. But you have to become aware of where you're coping 
and it will only become a you'll only become aware of those things when you start to pay attention to it and and then start to slowly remove those things um, as you're able out of your life because they're not healthy to have um, but you also want to make sure that you're filling the void that you're trying to fill with the coping mechanism and say netflix with something of god you know of that daily prayer and love and connection with our heavenly father i like it Next one I had was uh, the shows you watch become the topic of conversation. So when you watch Netflix every single day, um, every joke out of your mouth becomes a Michael Scott joke. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, every meme you send uh, has Dwight in it um, or I mean, just like wh whatever it is, various shows you're watching. I don't watch enough. So the office is my only, <laughs> I only reference point here. Um, but uh, you're just a boring person when all you talk about is the shows you watch on Netflix. Um, and nobody wants to be uh, Catholic if all the Catholics are boring. Um, and just, uh, I think we should, we should camp out here on our last ones here, Chris, but then uh, dive into the, the next three. Um, all, all of mine, um, kind of what you should do instead, relate to um, being a part of the solution, being a part of the, the renewed boldness, the renewed fervor, uh, in response to the problems, kind of I started with at the start of the podcast was uh, how can we uh, be more bold in our Christianity uh, to be a part of the solution to help people come back to the church, to help um, our, our friends, those Catholic young adults around us um, be better. Um, we can challenge them to watch better shows. We can challenge them to do all these things. Um, and so I think this one, I, I picked this third one. Um, if you're in a group of friends and uh, whether it's Catholic beer club event, whether it's just any, any sort of young adult event and the topic of conversation is always about the shows you watch on Netflix, or even if it comes up at all, like change it to something else um, or, or just notice, especially if you have friends that do this, this is one way to notice if, if this is what you talk about all the time, um, it, it might be time to try <laughs> something else to invite um, some new form of leisure into your life, or maybe just less leisure altogether. Um, but I think this is when, when you see this, um, when you watch too much Netflix, this is the result. You, they become the topic of your conversation. It's what you think about. Um, and just, it makes you a boring person and saints aren't boring. They're <laughs> very interesting people um, because they uh, show uh they are other Christs, um, and that's what people are attracted to, and that's what we need to be uh, if we want people to come back to the church. Yeah, I'm not sure if you do this too much, but reading uh, like the Daily Saint uh, and their story is absolutely fascinating and extremely inspiring. Daily, that's, I'm not familiar. Where's the Daily Saint? Uh, is that like so, a... like mymorningoffering.org. We'll okay. send it out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so that's a good place to check out. But um, they was also like going really old school, like Butler's Lives of the Saints, and you just pick one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But, uh, um, did you have a third one? I did. Last time. Yeah. Yeah, so my last one for a reason to ditch Netflix uh, and just kind of uh, ditch the binge watching really is that uh, I'll say this and I'll explain it right afterwards, but gamification fosters addiction and the addicted mind is less resilient. And so what I mean by that, yeah, by gamification, we've all succumbed to this when we're watching an episode on Netflix 
and then you hit the end of it and there's already another little square with a little play button and it has a countdown and it's like starting in 10, 9, 8. And you're like, well, it already kind of started. So I might as well keep watching, you know, <laughs> like Terrible. that's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst. Uh, you know, Alexa, it, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop playing Alexa. Oh, gosh. So that that's a big thing, right, is like the gamification of it. So making it a game actually is a um, it's a mindset hack that it just works on people like we want to complete things we uh we like being competitive and for whatever reason the progress bar the the uh you know you finish this much of your of your series you know 10 second countdown all of those things actually play into a natural kind of inherent desire to complete and um and, and, and thus, that's where binge watching really can come from. Um, and it's only, um, it's only solidified because it matches one of our, our desires, our needs. You know, so that's, that's why we keep talking about it being a coping mechanism. But my point with the gamification is not that it um, is always bad, but it's when it's used. Because, like, you know, playing sports is not bad, right? Like, that's gamification technically, too. But when it's used to manipulate you. When it's used to make you use someone's product more often, more frequently, um, and more consistently, that's a problem because it's it's kind of um, short circuiting our free will. Yeah, and so it's actually dehumanizing to use it in that way. And so the other effect that it has on us as people is that it cre- it taps into like a sort of a natural addictive mindset. And when you do things or kind of give into things that um, are trying to get you addicted to it, like Netflix wants you to, of course it wants you to watch their, you know, spend more time on their platform, um, your mind starts to change. Like we, we know this uh, cognitively from neuroscience that your brain really does start to change. And when you are addicted, you start to look to those things for your fulfillment rather than things that actually bring fulfillment. And it's, uh, it's kind of a downward spiral. But because of that, it's sort of a learned helplessness that results. And whenever we're functioning in a learned helplessness, we are way less resilient because being resilient is is allowing ourselves to be in difficult or challenging situations and to lean into it and come out better for having been challenged. And so if we don't exercise practices of resilience, kind of like we would a muscle to grow it, uh, we are actually sort of atrophying our muscle of resilience. And, and when we give in to addiction, it's kind of like, I'd rather not go to the gym today over and over and over. And you're going to atrophy your muscles and you'll be uh, uh, mentally weak uh, in the sense that you'll be less resilient, less able to cope with difficult challenges when they come, which is ironic because usually you turn to those things in the midst of difficult situations because it's difficult to cope with it. And we're trying to run away from pain because we naturally do that. So just like knowing how we function psychologically and cognitively uh, first helps us to know where we could be taken advantage of as human beings and what we need to kind of uh, redirect or kind of uh, um, scale up and like really progress, kind of grow into what we want to become. So like, you know, just take a minute to think about who you want to be and, and is binge watching anything 
going to help you become that person. Right. I think we, uh, we beat up on Netflix enough. Um, well, maybe we'll see. <laughs> I might have a few punches <laughs> left. Um, why should people unplug? What can they do differently? Um, what can they replace uh, this time with? Like I said, this the, the whole point of this is uh, as we kind of dive into future episodes, uh, we're going to talk about prayer as uh, being a weapon to win converts. We're going to talk about lots of different things. Um, uh, but first, uh, if you want to win souls, if you want to love Jesus, if you want to help others uh, love Jesus and be saved, uh, you can't give what you don't have. Um, and you can't receive what you don't have if you have obstacles to that. And Netflix is an obstacle in all the ways we're describing. And it can be uh, a rather challenging obstacle uh just because it, it, it draws you deeper and deeper and deeper in um, and, and has some harmful effects, although n- not necessarily an evil in and of itself. Um, it's, it's a good form of leisure. But Chris, what, let's, we got three more here each. What can we throw at people? What can they do differently? Yeah, so I think uh, especially because so often and especially in the midst of you know COVID and the quarantine and everything, um, there's an obvious huge push uh that we're we're feeling a lack of connection uh we're feeling a lack of um love and and i think people have done a a really good job when people get creative working within their own constraints to find new ways to connect with people right and and some of those i just want to highlight them because uh these are these are my three or but i'll share just the first two is that um, some of the ways that you can spend your time instead of on Netflix is connecting with people. Uh, so like through, you know, whatever platform you use, video conferencing, you could totally do a group game, you know, and um, that sounded insane to me when I, when we first entered quarantine, like how do you do a game over a video call? Cause we'd never done it before, but um, you know, you could do uh, charades really well over a, a video call and that's a lot of fun with people you love, you know? So that's, that's definitely the first one. And just along with that, using the same type of idea with video calls, um, there's happy hours with friends, you know? So instead of going out to the bar to get a drink with your friends, like uh, if we can't go out, well, let's video call with uh, our friends and and have a drink in hand, you know, and just enjoy a good beverage together and, and laugh and have great conversation. And when the, when the quarantine's over, which hopefully, you know, God willing, it will be soon, um, go out and, and go to the bar with your friends and have a good drink and enjoy that conversation or bring them over and, and, uh, you know, have a bonfire in your yard and, and just hang out and play games. Like there's all kinds of ways, but I would absolutely recommend through different ways, group games, happy hours with friends to engage with people you love and cherish and, and, and just grow those relationships. I like that. And that's hard because especially with Catholic beer club, Events are nice, big events. I know ID916 has some big events as well, but they uh, they make it easy for people to show up. You don't have to uh, like reach out to, you, you don't have to, it just makes it really easy to meet new friends. Um, it kind of takes away that social stigma of having a new conversation. But uh, with this right now, I think big gatherings, um, we just, we may not be able to have them for a few more months here. Uh, and it may just be worth really intentionally reaching out to uh, 
new people or just finding ways to uh, being open to new people joining your circle. So if you're doing something like uh, a game over uh, just like a video conferencing app or something like that, it is it is fun, um, but you don't have to keep it exclusively to just your group of people. Be open to inviting uh, new people in as well. It's kind of a strange way to meet people. It's not supposed to be perfect. You're not supposed to have an instant connection, um, but it does help. I mean, we haven't we haven't had uh, the mass for uh, six weeks or more. For some of us, we haven't had big events for a while. There, they are, there are real tangible, uh, just kind of like mental needs to have interactions with people. And so just be aware of that. There's people out there that maybe you're not friends with that need that. Uh, invite them. It may not be perfect, but maybe when large events open up again, uh, you get to know them a little better. And maybe you wouldn't have if you wouldn't have uh, sent them an invite to something like that via technology. Um, I'll throw... I'll throw two out here as well, um, kind of replacements for Netflix uh, as we social distance away from it. I think, uh, and this one, this one, I was thinking about this. I want to formulate it kind of as a challenge because uh, just ditching on Netflix, I think it'd be really easy to go, well, I don't binge watch. I watch maybe two shows, then I'm done. Um, so I th- I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to put a line on this. You tell me, Chris, if you think it's over the line. I think if you are watching Netflix, uh, more than twice a week, um, and you haven't read these three books, uh, I think I think you need to shut Netflix off uh, and and read these three books. Um, make time for them, build them into your life. Um, it doesn't have to be these three books, um, but I do think you should pull in some good spiritual reading. But these are my three recommendations. But uh, I'll be I'll be real honest. If you are watching Netflix multiple times a week. Um, and you haven't read books like this, you don't have a regular habit of reading books like this, I don't think you're taking your faith as seriously as you should. Um, I'm not saying you're a bad person, but uh, that's why I'm painting the picture of the church I am, um, is is we need people like you um, (laughs) to spend less time on Netflix and more time forming yourself into a good Christian. Um, So I think if you are watching Netflix, kind of that two to three times a week, um, like two to three days out of the week, and you're not praying every day. If you're not making time for mental prayer every day, if you don't even know what mental prayer is, you need to go buy Time for God by Father Jacques Philippe. You need to read that book. You can finish it in a week, maybe two weeks. Um, if you spent as much time uh, as you normally do watching Netflix, reading that book, you'd be done in a week. It's very short. It'll teach you what mental prayer is, um, and you will be praying um, it will ask you to pray 15 minutes every single day. And if you're not doing that, um, then I don't think you are taking this current state of the church seriously enough. I think you need to try harder, disconnect yourself from Netflix, uh, dive more in there. If you are not communing with God daily in prayer, um, you can't, it's going to be really challenging to be a saint. Um, second one is, Secrets of the Rosary. That's by St. Louis de Montfort. He's a stud. If you haven't read that book, uh, regardless of how much Netflix you watch, you are out of your mind. Um, (laughs) um, It will make you want to pray the rosary every day. It will make you realize um, all the bad things happening in the world um, can be solved by the rosary. Um, Nothing you do, no food bank you go work at, no act of virtue, no work of charity, nothing, absolutely nothing um, is can be as valuable as souls outside of the mass than 
the rosary. If you read that book and you don't believe me, um, it will convince you. If you're not convinced after reading that book, you are welcome to <laughs> send me a private message and challenge me, um, but you'll probably lose that conversation, but you're welcome to try. Um, third one, sharing your faith. Um, if you are praying every day, you are detached from Netflix. Um, but if you're in that two to three range, um, two to three days a week, um, you need to go buy Old Evangelization by Eric Sammons. Uh, it's really tangible ways uh, to win converts. Um, Eric's really honest about uh, winning Catholic, winning winning non-Catholics to the Catholic Church is supposed to be uncomfortable. Um, I think if you read that book, you'll realize um, there's probably more you can do. There's more all of us they can do. Um, I like to. I've read it once. I'm going to read it again, um, and I'll probably read it multiple times because it's just a helpful reminder um, that we're supposed to be uncomfortable. It'll force you to have conversations you might otherwise shy away from, um, and just encourage you to do simple things like, especially as a lot of us are working from home. When you go back to work, you need to pray. Uh, boldly as a Christian before your meals, you need to make a giant freaking sign of the cross, your forehead, down your belly button, both shoulders. Um, so people know you're Catholic and you praise your God before you eat. Um, and little things like that change the culture. They have a big impact on the people around you. Um, and if you are shying away from doing things like that, you are part of uh, why the church is where she is today uh, with so few in number and so weak in faith, but you can be a part of the solution by adding those things into your life. Um, so yeah, that's my first one. And then the second one is really simple. Um, cancel your Netflix. If you take your nine to $13 a month, stow it away, invest it until you're 50, you're going to be buying your kid a car <laughs> um, or you've got uh, several thousand dollars to donate. Uh, to a charity. Um, if you think about that, I think you'll realize that's probably a better alternative uh, to uh, the one time a week you watch Netflix if you keep it on there. So it might be worth just getting rid of it altogether. Um, but think about that too, just from a, a purely temporal perspective. There are a lot of better things you could do with your money and you may not be a millionaire, but nine, 10 bucks a month adds up uh, over the course of 25 years. Um, and you can help your kid buy a car, go to college, do a lot of different things. Chris, what do you got next? Yeah, my final one definitely goes really well with what you're saying. Uh, it's all about personal development. Um, and, and that is both uh, on a human level and on a supernatural level. Um, you know, St. Francis de Sales uh, in the introduction to the devout life actually talks about uh, an hour a day and not more being the, the good kind of um, uh, call for the lady to actually be praying on a daily basis as a layperson with all the responsibilities of a layperson. That's who we wrote the book for. And I think that's really encouraging to know that, you know, you start where you are, but, but an hour a day is the goal uh, to get to and, and to really make, take steps to get there. Um, and just from what a, from what a holy, holy saint uh, to take that advice from. Um, and, and, you know, that obviously can look like, that mental prayer and the rosary and some just time listening to what God has to say to you and what he's calling you to, um, you know, all of a sudden you're at an hour and it was, it was easy. Um, so just, you know, start where you can, but get, get to an hour because St. Francis of Sales says that is uh, part of the path to holiness. Um, and then along the same lines within personal development, you know, if you're not um, 
disciplining your body in some way, shape or fashion, um, and then making use of it for the spiritual life. Like if you're not fasting to some extent, if you're not uh, disciplining the body through some type of exercise because it is challenging to us, um, and then and then offering that up to the Lord and and also training our body the way St. Paul talks about to be ready for uh, any type of who knows persecution that might come uh, any type of uh, uncomfortable situations like we're we're training our mind and our body in the small little ways daily to be ready to say yes to the Lord over and over in the moments when it really counts when all of it is on the line and we have to stand up for our faith and proclaim it boldly, which we should be doing. But like when, it, when our lives are on the line because of doing it, we have to have the mental and physical fortitude to say, yes, I believe. And, of, and then to know that we're only doing that with the pure grace of God. And so inviting him to accompany you into daily disciplines and daily prayer and to just grow as a human being um, and, and to grow in ways specifically that help you to be uh, a holier person, that help you to be the saint that you're called to be, to help you draw closer to the sacred heart of our Heavenly Father, uh, just to spend time with Him on a more consistent basis and to let Him uh, you know, heal you of, of wounds, to bring you greater freedom interiorly, uh, and to just make you rich in grace and, ab and abundantly experience the gratitude uh, that comes from knowing how loved we are in him. And so just like that, that focus on personal development, like what are you spending that time on? If you, like, like Derek was saying, um, you know, if, if you bring in the time of Netflix that you spend on that and then also the money, what could you be investing uh, that into for your personal development to grow as, as uh, a saint and to spend more time accepting the grace of God and, and spending time, you know, just receiving that. I like that. I like that. Last one I had uh, is more of a replacement for Netflix. Um, find a podcast. Uh, this one's pretty awesome, I think, but we'll find out because <laughs> this is the first one. Um, but there's lots of good ones out there. When you watch Netflix, you're trying to, um, it's leisure. You want something entertaining. Um, podcasts can be entertaining. I didn't listen to podcasts until uh, maybe a year and a half ago. I thought it was strange before that. I was like, podcast, that's weird. Why would somebody do that? Uh, now it makes sense to me because uh, I don't like reading books because uh, I fall asleep, although I read a lot of books, but I also <laughs> fall asleep a lot while I read the books. But podcasts, um, I think, are a helpful way to uh, not just learn, but they can be entertaining uh, and educational as well. They're, they're fulfilling. Um, they can help relax you, um, especially the ones that are entertaining, have a fun pitch to them. Um, so I'd encourage you to uh, find a good podcast. You can join us for this one. We will um, certainly be having uh, some fun on this one. Um, but if you need some recommendations for other ones, Chris, uh, maybe we'll camp out there. Chris, do you have uh, any podcasts for folks? Um, good recommendations right off the bat people could listen to i'm patrick coffin is is very his intro alone if you just go for patrick coffin's uh podcast would be the, the one i would i would recommend just go jump on his podcast listen to his intro um <laughs> and if nothing else if you hate it you'll you'll get a laugh out of his his intro but chris do you got 
any recommendations for people that haven't listened to a podcast before? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would recommend that you start by searching uh, podcasts uh, based on something you're really interested in uh, and, and in growing in, in the spiritual life. Uh, but then one that I would highly recommend um, that's just full of wisdom and, and really helpful for the growth in holiness is called Divine Intimacy. Um, and, and that's a really wonderful Is that uh, Dan Burke? Podcast. Yeah, so it's ran, yeah, run by yeah. Dan Burke. Yeah. Yep. That's a good one. I like it. Uh, Chris, do you have any other? Did you knock out your three? Do you got one more or is that it? No, I think we did it. Sweet. Um, well, that was good. I think we threw a lot of good things out there. Um, towards the end of our shows, as we do this, we'll do the first one today. Um, we're going to share kind of a conversion story, um, whether it's from a saint book or ideally just something, um, a, a, specific, a real story of someone converting to the Catholic faith. I think this is just so uncommon. We don't hear about converts very often. And it's probably because uh, for every one person that joins, there's five that leave. And, and that sticks out in our mind more often than not. So I think we don't think as much as we should about winning converts and especially what that looks like. Um, so Chris, uh, before we sign off here, I know you had the, the convert story today to share. Um, and then we can, we can sign off here. Um, so I'll, I'll turn it over to you. But I think this is a, a good story that folks will find helpful. Yeah, so I'll take you back to my time as a missionary, as a focused missionary on a Catholic college campus. And when I was on campus, we were doing something we call bare handing, which basically means we go out with no pamphlets, no handouts of any kind. We just go out and try to talk to people. And we eventually ran into this, this guy who we invited to a Bible study. Um, and so he showed up. Uh, one of our Bible studies, and I was the one leading the Bible study. Um, and it was really neat because from the very first moment, there was something unique about this this guy. Um, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But after the Bible study, which in the middle, we had a little bit of a time for prayer. And after the prayer, he just stayed there. And I was like, uh, should, I, should I go get him or should I you know, let him finish? I waited a couple minutes. I went and I eventually got him. And he just like looked up like he was taken out of a trance. And I was like, wow, like he must have really been into that prayer. Cool. And I didn't, I still didn't know too much about him. And he came out and he shared with me in that moment that um, <laughs> he shared with me a lot about his life in the sense that uh, he was a Buddhist, that he was raised as a Buddhist, uh, came over from Thailand. Uh, he was there at the university studying and he had recently been in a car crash. And it was a pretty bad car crash to the point where it, uh, by all measures, should have probably killed him. And that really just woke him up to start to seek out the truth. And so he started seeking out the truth. And, and that was actually one of the reasons why he showed up at the Bible study as a Buddhist was to start to seek truth. And so that was really where our relationship began. Um, and I told him, I was like, you know, if you want to know more about the Catholic faith since you're here, um, I really highly recommend starting into the RCIA program because you don't have to become Catholic at the end of it. You can just get in and, and learn. And so he liked the idea, but he was kind of uncomfortable just going off on his own. And I was like, look, here's what I'll do. I will meet with you each week 
well, we're, we're going to grab lunch and we're just going to talk about whatever you talked about in RCAA that week. And any questions you have, I'll, I'll try to help answer them for you or we'll find the answers together if I don't know the answer. And so that actually was the launch into the rest of that year. He was going to RCA. We were meeting up for lunch once a week and just diving deep. And I cannot tell you how um, surprised I was by how many questions that he actually left with. Um, I, I think I was surprised because I was under the impression that like, well, RCA covers a lot of content. So like, you know, what questions would you have? Um, but he was so curious about every little detail um, and why things were and, and really wanted to question um, to seek understanding. Like he really wanted to know it uh, and was actually considering converting if he believed it. And so I just was so inspired by that time with him because he was actually seeking. And so basically by the uh, time Easter rolled around, we had a good long conversation at one of our lunches and he decided that he did in fact want to become Catholic. And I was there at the Easter vigil with him, uh, awesome. got to see him become Catholic. And it was just such a powerful testimony to the way that God works in people's hearts because God absolutely prepared the soil in his heart before I ever showed up and was um, very much a part of every interaction we had ongoing. So when, that can was, I ask you a question? Yeah. When did you uh, when did you meet him? Like what did it, like you uh, you're out there like missionary barehanding? What did that look like? Where were you? Like where did you where did you first like meet him? Shake his hand? Like what like where? Like what were the yeah. surroundings like? It was on the quad basically of a of the university. So like you know the the most trafficked space of the university where people are just going back and forth and people are on their way to class or lunch or whatnot. And you, what is, what did you, what were like the first things you said to him? You just like walked up to him, shook his hand, introduced yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. That seems kind of crazy, right? Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So we would just go up to people and uh, we'd try to make eye contact and see if they would actually look at us. And if they would, we'd say, Hey, like, you know, can I ask you a quick question? And, and uh, if they said yes, you know, sometimes they kept walking uh, and that was that, but he actually said yes. And so our first question usually was, what was your uh, what was your spiritual beliefs like growing up? And what are they like now? Because we met a whole host of different people. And so if you say faith, they immediately assume Christian. But if you say spiritual beliefs, they get really uh, honest with you and they share whatever it was. Um, and so that was a really good opener just to kind of gauge where they were at that time. That's cool. If you uh, if that's a foreign concept to you because you weren't a focused missionary like me, um, I think a good introduction because focused does a lot of training on things like that is the book uh, the Old Evangelization by Eric Sammons. He talks about little tangible ways to start conversations with strangers um, and and really try and win converts. Um, it's kind of a, a strange effort. Barehanding is a good word for it. Um, <laughs> I'd rather use a fishing pole, but. <laughs> um, that's uh that's that's awesome thank you chris um we will sign off today um but thank you guys for listening if you like this um certainly share it we're gonna it'll be on you'll probably finding it on social media um we'll have it on a few pages we hope you like it um and certainly stay tuned for the next one there will be more episodes ahead uh chris do you want to close us in a, a hail mary i'll get the second half absolutely and the father and the son and the holy spirit amen Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb.
Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Chris, first one in the books. Thank you guys for listening. God bless everybody. God bless you in the next one.